This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. Picture it, Los Angeles, 2023. Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you're ever going to have to listen to. I am Sadie Pine slash H. Allen Scott. And I'm Carrie Doherty. And this is a podcast where we used to and still do watch episodes of the Golden Girls and talk about them. But the first time we ran out of those episodes and then we watched Golden Palace. But you know what happened there, too? It was a tragedy. So now we do whatever the hell we want, which is watch I the Golden Girls. I loved the Golden Palace for the most part. Yes. Um, I also realized you said the only Golden Girls podcast you're ever going to have to listen to. And you oh, usually say yeah. need. And for some reason, you know what? That felt very different to me. You know what? Uh, if you listened last week, which we recorded last night so we're doing lots of crazy things it's it's weird times here i my back is um now not quite in remission but i'm on muscle relaxers and some pain medication so you might get a weird me tonight <laughs> everybody buckle up fasten your seatbelt buckle up puppies slut puppies <laughs> Oh my gosh, you guys, today we're doing another Golden Rewind where we go back and rewatch our favorite episodes of the Golden Girls and re-talk about them and offer new insights since we first started breaking down these episodes back in 2014 and wrapping up our Pride Month celebration. Mm -hmm. This week, it is a double feature. Oh, I got my popcorn ready. Let's go. What are we watching? Get it ready. We're rewatching season four, episode nine, Scared Straight, and season six, episode 14, Sister of the Bride, aka the Baby Brother Clayton episodes. Oh, I love a double feature, don't you? I'm, I mean, one for Clayton, one for Doug. But before we get to those, since this is our last Pride themed episode, yeah. and obviously we didn't get to cover every great, every great, every great uh -huh. queer <laughs> character and moment on the show. Uh, we decided we were going to do some honorable mentions. Yeah, I think we need award show music. Hold on. Yeah, get it, get it ready, please. So, right now we want to say Happy Pride Month to Coco. R.I.P. to you and your Angelata Rancheros. Phil. You were buried in a teddy because you were true to yourself, even in the end. Laszlo. And your beautiful sculpture. Patrick Vaughn. You played a fruit in a commercial and turned out to be even a little bit fruity. The guy who played Patrick Vaughn, but this time he's a hairdresser. You made all the women look like Sophia, even though tight curls aren't for everyone. The jazz band. You think you're confused? Take a look at the horn section. The waiter. We just go wherever the wind blows, don't we? The caterer from Sophia's wedding. You're ready to fly right out of here, aren't you? Well, excuse me for living, Anita Bryan. Applause, 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 applause. 
Oh, there are so you many. You know what? You also know, memorable. There's one that we missed. I don't even remember her name on the show, but it was when they were looking for um, housekeepers and the very heavy set large woman comes through. We don't know her story, but I'm going to assume she's at least in the queer realm of icons within the Golden Girls. And she's not in this because every honorable mention, every like in memoriam has to have one person missing. And I feel comfortable <laughs> with that being her. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is this is my Oscar moment. <laughs> now, before we get into the episode, we yeah. have something kind of fun that we're going to mention right oh, now. Yeah, right? we do. So my good friend, uh, my my good friend, I, I said friend in such a weird way. Guys, I am really on drugs. My good friend, Craig McCoon, is a fantastic writer. And one of the things, since we're doing Clayton's episode, I started pondering like, what would Clayton and Doug be doing right now? You know what I mean? Like, what would their lives look like right now, even though they'd be very old? I would think that Clayton and Doug would probably co-author children's books, inclusive children's books that that are inclusive of queer stories and all kinds of different stories. And I also think that they'll own a bed and breakfast, and that's where they'll display all of their books and stuff. And so... For this episode, my friend Greg just happens to be, he's not Clayton's age or anything, but he happens to be a children's book author, and he has some books that we can give away, some fantastic books that are like queer children's stories, inclusive. I mean, it's just it, the spectrum of sort of what I feel like kids should be exposed to, even though there's lots of conversations happening around that right now. So I'm really excited to help Greg give away some of these books and we'll hear from Greg a little bit later in this episode. Um, but we're going to do the giveaway by you commenting on our Instagram post. So like if you want for this episode, for this episode. So if you want these books, when we on Wednesday, I forget the date that this episode's going out, but at the end of the month, Wednesday, you'll see the episode with Clayton. You'll see that post. You'll see Clayton's beautiful face in our, on our Instagram Comment on that post if you want these books and stick around later for my little chat with Greg because it's fantastic. Yay! Yay! Giveaways and we, books for children. We love a books um, with children. Yes, we do. Um, okay. Is Oh, and maybe before we take a break and get into the episode, I think yeah. we should remind people again uh, yes. that if they want to go to outonthelanai.com slash live, uh, you can sign up to be the first to know, and maybe even a little bit earlier mm -hmm. than when other people are going to be able to buy tickets, yeah. uh, for our live show, which is happening at the Dynasty Typewriter on September 24th. 24th. September yes, 24th, 24th here in Los Angeles. We're telling you guys early because we know a lot of you don't live in the Los Angeles area. Maybe you want to drive in. I mean, don't feel like you got to fly in and everything because they're, they're, we'll figure out ways for you to see this show and hear this show and all of the things. So, like, I mean, if you want to fly in, please fly in. But You're ready to just fly right out of here, <laughs> aren't you? But what I'm saying is if you have to drive from far away or whatever, you can plan around it. But, yes, September 24th. Child care. Everyone, yes, child care, jobs, all of the things that people have to work around to see these live shows. But no fear if you don't live in Los Angeles because we are working on a way for you to see the show as well. So please go sign up at outonthelanai.com slash live to be the first to hear when tickets go on sale. I'm so excited. Are you excited for this live show? I'm very Karen? excited. Yeah, for the people who aren't able to make it, we're going to be um, holograms projected into your uh -huh. living rooms. Yeah. Oh, my God. How cool would that be? Also, how annoying would that be? 
Yeah, we'd just be like three heads on a plate in no, the kitchen table. We literally would be just going on tangents about things that don't matter, has nothing to do with the Golden Girls, and they would be like, why did we agree to these holograms? Why, yeah. why are they here talking about Donald Duck? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a break and then get into these two episodes. Yes, let's do it. One thing I love about this episode, obviously, the character of Clayton is amazing. The arc, uh, Blanche's growth, all of it. I absolutely love like the messaging, all of it. But I think maybe what I love most is um, these two episodes. Actually, no, I think just the first one. We're going to talk about Scared Straight first. Yeah. It was so um, weird to watch them back to back, I will admit, because one, what season is the first one from? I forget. But it's from an earlier season, obviously. Season four. Season four. And the the tone and the writing of the show and how they lay it out is very different from season four to season, what was six, seven? Was six. The, yeah, six. Like, did you notice that at all? Did you see a difference in sort of how I the show? I didn't, but it, it, I've never watched them back to back before. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really fun because it did feel like sort of a true continuation yeah. of the story. Um, but this first episode scared straight. Um, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure um, Chris Gallo, who does uh, Golden Girls posters, has two phrases from this episode oh, wow. on a T-shirt. I could be wrong, but I think maybe Clayton is a hobo and the man's as gay as a picnic basket. I could be wrong, but I feel like in my mind somewhere I've seen both of those on shirts. And um, the they than are a picnic basket is so like funny. I mean, my go-to uh, my go-to sort of phrase for myself is that I'm queerer than a cat's fart. Which, <laughs> I mean, a cat's fart fart. I've heard that. I heard that somewhere too. That's not original to me. I heard it somewhere, but I forget where now. Um, I've never heard it, but I yeah. think it's really funny. Yeah, I think so too. Twice. Because I'm just picturing like, like the yeah. the letters P F F F T. Yeah, that's what it would be. It would be the most subtlest little fart, but you would smell it. That's really funny. Yeah. Um, so Blanche's baby brother, Clayton, uh, who is divorced from his wife of two years and is 45 years old, is coming for a visit. Now, you had something to say about his age, but then you stopped yourself before we started recording. So what so, was it that you wanted to say? I immediately, and I do not remember thinking this when we originally watched, which just shows to go, just goes to show you how, like, the blissfulness of youth, if you will, in hearing people's ages at the age that we originally watched this episode. Because when she said 45, I immediately was like, that man is not 45 years old. There's no, I know 45 year olds and they do not look like that man. And then I looked it up and it turns out he's like in his 50s, like I think mid 50s or something. I don't know, but he's in his 50s. So he's not far off from 45, but he's definitely more in the 1980s, 50s, which modern day looks more like male 60s you know what i mean yeah yeah i i didn't bristle at the age i didn't i guess i i, I don't know i was like i, bought I didn't it. bristle i, like, yeah, I didn't buy it but i didn't buy it i, I definitely didn't buy it sure. but, then I, but then i also i'm like well if if blanche is lying about her age well then of course clayton is oh that's a really good point yeah yeah so by call by saying that he's 45 that automatically youngs her down because yep. she's calling him baby brother yep Exactly. So, you know, and that's so, what's even mm -hmm. more. I wonder why they never even made a joke about that. 
If yeah. she's calling him baby brother and she's saying he's 45 to the girls, then that's making the last episode we so watched. Maybe he is actually 55. We watched in Strange Bedfellows and she very clearly tells the press, you print my age as 39. So we know she's at least over 45. Yeah. Yep. That is true. Uh, so Blanche is incredibly invested in getting Clayton out there again. She has set him up on a blind date with this woman from the museum, which like, I honestly kind of like, because I you know, don't, I don't, he, who wants to go on a date when they're on vacation? Well, the way I looked at it was like, it's like a no pressure date, you know, it's, he does not live in this city. It's very low stakes. He may never see her again. It's yeah, like a real good nah, get back on the bike kind nah, of situation. No one wants to go on a date on vacation. They want to hook up. Sure. Date? No, I don't, I don't got time for that. I got to go to well, whatever beach or whatever restaurant or whatever it is. You know what I mean? I thought it was kind of sweet. Yeah. But Clayton is not really into it. Blanche is like really pushing um, and he ends up going. But one of my favorite lines is when she's trying to convince him and she goes, you know, both Dorothy and I know how much fun a single life is. Many a nights, Dorothy has sat here alone in the, this room watching me go out on dates. And then Dorothy says, Sometimes I watch her from the kitchen window. It's easier to bay at the moon. Dorothy from there. in these episodes. I mean, all of the women in these oh. episodes. They're so good. And then after Clayton leaves, there's a great moment between um, Blanche and Dorothy that kind of foreshadows what we're going to learn about Clayton. Let's play that moment. I'm good at blind dating. I always felt so awkward. Oh, Dorothy, I have a surefire icebreaker I can teach you right now. Oh, once you learn this, any man is putty in your hands. Oh, Blanche, come on, that is ridiculous. I mean, I'm certainly not going to waste my time listening to this adolescent nonsense. Did you say putty? <laughs> Sit back. Now, just play like we're at the movies. Okay, first I start to yawn a little. Then I put my hands up over my head like Oh, this. Blanche, I know that when you end up with your arm around me. Yeah, but that's just the first part. Did you know that if you blow right on the tip of a man's earlobe, it can drive him absolutely crazy? <laughs> I'll show you. in 24 hours couldn't you stay in the closet for one more day i love how just the presence of sophia gets a laugh in a moment yeah like that. yeah it's so so funny yeah. um yeah and absolutely foreshadowing you know what's going on with clayton at the moment um so clayton runs into rose at the park um you know she through a very funny scene she learns that he's gay um but he's afraid to tell blanche mm -hmm. uh, and rose convinces him to do that and he tries to tell Blanche that he's gay, but kind of freezes up in the moment and instead tells her that he slept with Rose. Shocker. <laughs> and we just saw this with the Gil Kessler episode. We saw, you know, there are men who are afraid of someone finding out the truth about who they are. So mm -hmm. they lie and say that they've slept with a woman. Yeah. Um, Which is not and... uncommon for men over centuries of history. Men feeling uncomfortable and then lying to get out of the uncomfortable feeling instead of addressing their feelings. Shocker. 
And also I think for Clayton, because, you know, Clayton was married to a woman, he's 45. This is something that he's sort of just now, I feel like maybe starting to tell people who are close to him. Which was not uncommon back then. I mean, now, of course, thankfully, so many people are coming out younger and younger and there's more of an acceptance. But even my generation, I mean, I felt I was very young to sort of when I realized who I was and came out. But like uh, in the 1980s, I mean... A lot of these men never were allowed to even have some of these feelings. So the fact that he's having that journey at that age is, is he's not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. Um, and so then uh, Rose, so Rose knows um, she tells Dorothy that Clayton's a hobo. Um, and then Sophia <laughs> guesses it on her own oh. in a really great moment that we have to play because we already quoted it. it your way, but nobody can keep a secret from Sophia Petrillo. Whatever that guy's hiding, I could smoke it out of him in three or four quick questions. Hello, ladies. Perfect timing. Ma. Uh, so, Clayton, uh, what do you think of this Miami weather so far? Oh, it's lovely. I see. Have you ever been to Europe? No, but it's always been a dream of mine. Interesting. (laughs) How many fingers am I holding up? Two. Fine. You can go back in the living room now. (laughs) The man's as gay as a picnic basket. How's your gaydar? Um, I feel like it's actually not that great. I think I told you a story about when I was in college and I was like at a party dancing with a friend of mine and I thought he was into me and my friend was like, oh God, no, he's not into women. Um, (laughs) And then there was another friend of mine who I was like, maybe, maybe he's, but then he wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I feel like mine isn't very good. But yeah. I, I feel what like, about you? I feel like mine is good, but I default. I mean, you know, that's my world. But I've also always felt like nothing I ever could do could hide my like it doesn't even matter how bad your gaydar is. I since the age of like four was a walking pride parade. So like I love that. It's like it's not I mean, I guess with some kids it's easier to hide, but for me it was just like no, I was into Amy Grant real young. Like fucking love Amy I Grant. Oh, baby, baby. I'm taking well no Every heartbeat belongs it's, to yeah, you. Yeah, it's my goal. Oh, to, she slaps. It's man. my it's my goal to do a drag number to Amy Grant. But yeah, no, so I I definitely I was very obvious. So I feel like my gaydar is kind of fucked because I was always just so obvious and I just assume literally, I just assume everyone's kind of queer. That's my You're default. like that Joan Cusack quote from In and Out. Yes. Is everybody gay? <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So Blanche, of course, is super pissed at Rose because she thinks that Rose slept with Clayton. Yeah. And I have to give it to Rose. She's being a very sympathetic person to Clayton right mm-hmm. now. Given how naive she is about life and these sorts of things that she doesn't know much about, Rose understands that 
Clayton is in a tough position. Yeah. So she's giving him the time he needs to figure out how to tell Blanche well, that he's you're forgetting, gay. You're forgetting that she spent a night with Jean. She understands this process. You know what yes. I mean? She's been yes. there, done that. She's she's yes. she's swam in both rivers. Yes. And I even like Blanche is, you know, calling her like a cradle snatch an empty headed two faced dummy and a bubble head whose hair looks like it was colorized by Ted Turner. Oh, my God. And she's saying these things to her. And Rose still won't tell Blanche that she didn't sleep with Clayton. She's although, still letting Blanche believe it. Although she's acknowledging that she can be a real bitch sometimes. I know. I love that line coming out of Betty it's White's mouth. so and good. Rose, <gasps> Also, the coloring, she can be a real bitch. the coloring, t- Ted Turner coloring the classic movies. I We talked about it on the last one, but literally I was watching this with Michael and Michael was like, what's this about? So it was in, they wanted to colorize Ted Turner, who owned Turner classic movies, wanted to colorize some of the classics to modernize them. And everyone was like, what? No, I will say my dad has a DVD of A Christmas Carol, oh. like the old one. And there is a color colorized version on the other side if you flip the disc. Ew. But it was like people were literally hand coloring frames. Yeah. But also the color is so wild. It almost looks like it. it the colors are almost like neon in a weird yeah. way anyway it's, it's like wild the, it's like watch. the i love lucy christmas episode or something that they air every year this this time and they they colorize it's colorized and it's it's very it's uncomfortable to watch it's like an uncanny valley yeah thing. it is it is yeah um so um clayton finally tells blanche that he's gay and she just cannot accept it she's like i know you you are not this Mm -hmm. um she first she thinks he's pulling her leg that he's joking um and she finally says you know you look me in the eye and you tell me what you just said you are and he says i think you heard me the first time blanche and like storms out she's just so rough i mean i'm so glad i never had to like officially come out again because i was a walking pride parade Mm because like I really empathize with people who have to actually have that conversation because that that seems hard. I never had to do that. And it oh, I'm so glad I I came from a family that allowed that kind of space for me to just naturally grow into what I Mm -hmm. am rather than having to have that serious conversation about who I am when in reality I want to be like, I'm a Housewives fan. Like that's my literally that's my conversation. I have to admit. That I'm a housewives fan. <laughs> and yeah. you said you think you think your mom your mom knew before you did. Oh my god, yes. My mom's so new. I mean, on every level knew. Even my dad, everyone knew. Everyone was just sort of in on it and they were either like, what are we going to do? Or but I also had the benefit of having like other brothers. So, if I was the only kid, maybe there probably would have been more pressure on me, but since I had a lot of cover, I was just they were just sort of like well, we can have one special one <laughs> out of the other three. The the, the yeah. name will carry on somehow. Don't worry, yeah, everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure, sure. Um, I feel like with Blanche, you know, I think why she's having such a hard time accepting this is because for her, she feels like it somehow changes who Clayton is, that yeah. he's gay. Like it somehow changes his, their relationship. Like mm-hmm. it almost invalidates all the years that they've spent together. Well, and it's um, also a lot like, I mean, I get it because it is, it's a mind fuck. I mean, I think a lot of trans uh, people also experience this when 
they're having the open communication about sort of, you know, the process they're on and the journey they're on and the affirmation, the gender affirmation that they're, they're, they're have that's happening to them. And it's a difficult conversation for people to, for people who aren't in it to not only hear, but also accept. And it's, it's a process. It's definitely a process. And even back then, I mean, Clayton or anyone being gay for someone who is related to them, I can see it being a shocking, like, well, what does life look like for you now? What is that? What does this mean? Especially in the 1980s with everything that was happening with HIV AIDS and discrimination and all of the things. So like, it's a jarring thing to hear back then. It still is now, I think for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, for Blanche, um, well, I think we should play the exchange that when she goes and she finds him at the bar, because I think it kind of highlights what we're talking about, how she feels like she doesn't really know him anymore. Oh, you know, that popcorn reminds me of Rex's drive-in out at the lake. <laughs> you remember the night my date and I parked right next to you and your date? Pretty soon it got to be a contest who could fog up whose car the fastest. <laughs> I think you won. Uh, you weren't doing too badly considering you were in a convertible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Clay, I've been thinking a lot about what you told me today, and I've also been thinking a lot about that boy out at Rex's drive-in, and honey, the two pictures don't go together. There's just something wrong with one of them. But it's not the one you're hoping, Blanche. It was the heater fogging up my car. When does that... I there are so many friends who have told me similar stories about the things that they would do to cover up like their past. Do you know what I mean? And to cover up certain aspects of their sexuality. It's really interesting. Yeah, and I think like for Blanche in that moment, she's she's having a hard time understanding it, but then I think when Clayton says that, you know, when he says that, she realizes like you know, he's you know been lying to everyone including himself for all these years and that it finally feels good to tell the truth Mm -hmm. and i think in that moment she sort of becomes sympathetic to how hard that must have been for him yeah and so she's like okay you know what like this is great like i'm gonna get used to it like here you go man at the bar date my brother like i'd rather date you lady that whole thing but I, I do think that, um, you know, I, I think her showing up at the bar was like, okay, I'm going to, ha- we're going to have a conversation about this. You're my brother. I love you. But I do think it's really when he puts that into perspective, when, when, you know, she has this idea in her mind about what that night, you know, at the, you know, at the couple's lover's lane or whatever yeah. in the fogged up windows. And then when she sees it from his perspective and realizes the pain that he must have felt, mm-hmm. you know, for all those years, um, and the torment for not being able to be who he truly was. I feel like that's really when she softened and was like, okay, I'm here. It's so interesting. I find now as I get older and my like friends and siblings, especially my straight friends and siblings have children or relationships or relationship problems or all these things. And because of, I think, you know, when you're, when you're queer and you're out, it is, it can be a vulnerable thing. It can be a thing that like you're showing a side of you that like, a lot of straight people don't have to show or don't have to ever have that conversation or admit something or whatever it is because it's just an assumption. You're just straight. So, of course, we know what you do. You know what I mean? And so when my, like, 
when people who are straight around me are struggling with the idea of like communicating things or communicating their sexual needs or relationship needs or all these different things, part of me is just like, a lot of us queer people really figured this honesty thing out a long time ago. You all should really like take a bite out of the apple because it's real great if you're just like open and upfront about what you want, who you are, and what you need. And if you do that, everything's going to at least be okay because you'll be living in your truth. So calm down. You're 40-something years old. Why aren't you just saying what you need? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's That's sort of the where I'm at in my head, which I that's part of what I love about being queer is that like you kind of are forced to like lay it all out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sweet Jesus, I've done the impossible. <laughs> I've converted one. Oh my goodness. That I'm was working such on a that. Funny moment. I'm working on that. I'm working on um, that. Um, do you have anything else that you want to say about Scared Straight before we jump into Sister of the Bride? Yeah, I want to go to that rest the first restaurant they wanted to go to, Jose's, I think it was called or something where they wore the tight pants. I want to go to that restaurant because I don't know if I want moose knuckle with my side of like chips. So you do want to go or you don't? I want to go, but then I want to, I'm going, I know I'm going to feel comfortable while uncomfortable while I'm there. I know that, but I want to see it. I want to experience it Mm -hmm. and then recognize you don't want to go to Jose's. So maybe you want to make a backup reservation at Emilio's, which is the other restaurant. (laughs) I I guess Emilio's was Italian and Italian men. I mean, I know you've got your fan out. I was going to say I would go for the Tony Danzas. But... Yes, same, same. Yeah, let's take a break and we'll come back with Sister of the Bride. Yes, let's do it. Okay, we're back. We've defogged the windows of the cars. <laughs> um, and we're here to talk about sisters of Sister of the Bride. Now, I said sisters because I don't know if you noticed this. Did you notice on Hulu? So this episode is called Sister of the Bride, but on Hulu, it's called Sisters of the Bride. Oh, weird. No, I didn't know that. And I was like, wait, who's the other sister? And I was like trying to go, is it like a funny, is it, okay. And then I was like, I looked it up on IMDb and I said, oh, no, no, it's just sister. Yeah, it was just a mistake on the Hulu's Virginia. side. (laughs) Virginia's coming back from the grave. So Um. (laughs) this is now a season six episode so blanche has had two full seasons of this television program knowing that clayton's gay she probably hasn't seen him a lot in that time yeah um and i feel like for blanche in this moment clayton being gay is still more of a concept yeah but also did you so clayton sends her a letter saying that he's coming to town part of me wonders i know candace bergen was doing sprint commercials or mci commercials back at this time could he have not just called? Like, why a let? Like, why a formal letter? Well, I feel like they're from the south. They do everything. I it's so big so. and grandiose. I guess like, I'm, so. I'm willing to bet he sent a letter that was written with like a really nice fountain pen, and he had one of those like wax seals that mm-hmm. you stamp on. Yeah. you know. And yeah. I bet it was just really. I bet it was like nice calligraphy. I'd I'm be just, annoyed. I'd be annoyed. Give me a phone call. You know what I, I mean? Know, but then you get to keep the letter. Um, Telling me you're coming to town? A process letter? Okay. Well, and that he has a big surprise for her. Mm, okay. So she assumes that the surprise is that, like, he's met a woman. And Dorothy's now, like, um, your brother's gay. And Blanche is like, oh, that was just a phase. Let me say, so when I said in the original, the first segment about the last episode, Scared Straight, there was a 
a writing style, the way the episode and the way the scenes were able to kind of play out and the drama was able to be played and like, you know, there was all those moments. This episode felt very, while there were moments of seriousness, of course, but it felt very slapstick. There were so many great jokes upon jokes upon jokes that built off the confusion or or Clayton being gay or you're not really getting the concept of this whole gay thing or like all of those. They, there were so many jokes in this episode that I feel like I could see the difference in writing with this episode as opposed to two seasons ago. Yeah, I agree that there were a lot more jokes um, for sure. There were more jokes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, otherwise it felt kind of the same to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was fun watching them back to back. Um, and then, so Clayton shows up. He has not brought a woman with him. No. Uh, let's play the reveal of Clayton's big surprise. Now, baby brother, I've waited all week. Where is it? Where's my surprise? Hello, everyone. <laughs> surprise. You can just put the luggage over there. Okay. Clayton. He changed to tip the driver. Uh, uh, Blanche. I don't know why you took a cab from the airport. Blanche. You should have called me. I would have picked you up. Blanche. Uh-huh. This is Doug. He's my friend. My very special friend. Well, any friend of Clay's. <laughs> also. Isn't it wonderful that they became so close between the airport and here? <laughs> The whole era of calling your boyfriend a special friend. Ugh. Or even worse, <laughs> this is my lover. <laughs> it's something that Elliot and Brent and I might, you know, you know them, but friends, do, you're making it worse together, the podcast, that we joke about all the time because it's so not within our vernacular to ever be like, this is Michael, my lover. Yeah, I don't like it either. I yeah. think and I think I told you I I feel like I've said this on the podcast in the past, but my first um exposure to the word lover was in the movie um uh My Father the Hero where mm. Catherine Heigl who's like 13 pretends that she's sleeping with her dad played Ugh. by Gerard Depardieu and she goes, "He's my lover." And so for me, I associate it with something illegal and gross and yeah. highly inappropriate in so many ways. Some people have um, a problem with the word partner, but I don't. I mean, that feels I don't pretty, have a problem with the word partner. Yeah, that feels, I mean, people think it seems so like, you know, boring and like professional. I I don't. I think it, I think it's, I mean, I think when you're one step away from saying boyfriend, but you're not married, it's like, I think partner yeah. makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's a good to me when I hear somebody talk about their partner, I'm like, oh, you guys are solid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what exactly. I think. Yeah. yeah, totally. Um, okay. So Or you have a um, law firm, who knows? Could be anything. <laughs> yes, yes, could could be that kind of partner as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, in this scene, one of my favorite Dorothy lines in this episode is um when we learn that Doug is a cop. Yeah. And Rose still thinks that he's like was driving uh, Clayton and she goes, I bet you do undercover work. And Sophia goes, and I bet he does it damn well. (laughs) And then Dorothy laughing says, 
You'll have to excuse my mother. She suffered a slight stroke, which left her, if I can be frank, a complete burden. I mean, and I know I pointed this out on the podcast last time we watched this episode. I just love it so. There much. are so many great Dorothy comebacks in this episode. It is like a Dorothy comeback bonanza. It's so so good. All the stuff with Sophia, I was I'm obsessed with. Um, because all of her lines are delivered where she's like petting her head and being like, I love you, my little hat rack. Yeah. Like, I just love to hug my mommy. She's always like petting her and cradling her and hugging her like kind of aggressively while making a joke about her. It's like, Mm -hmm. I I love those moments with Sophia and Dorothy. Same. Um, So Blanche is having a hard time accepting uh, that Clayton has a boyfriend. Did you ever, when, okay, so when, when Blanche started having a hard time, I get where... I get why they're using Blanche for this storyline and this vehicle and all the things because I get it. But at the same time, I feel like part of me, while I love this episode, part of me, it doesn't feel like it's authentic to how Blanche would actually respond because it does seem like once she could get over the fact that her brother's gay, this very sexually positive, open, honest woman who loves boasting about her life to me would immediately be like, so let's talk boys. You know what I mean? Like she, she would immediately switch. And so the, her uncomfort doesn't while Blanche, while Rue McClanahan does an amazing job performing this episode, it doesn't feel like right for the care. It feels like something that like Dorothy would maybe struggle with, or maybe even Rose, certainly Sophia, but Blanche, I don't know. I, I sort of understood Blanche in this moment because if you think about it in in this episode, a moment that we'll get to later, and I think I have it in my notes, Blanche, Blanche has to have a conversation with Sophia that makes her understand and really realize how she needs to be better. Um, and in the first episode, she doesn't have like sort of an advice conversation with anybody. Yeah. She gets mad at Clayton and explodes on him. And then in the next scene, she goes and visits him. Um, and I I do feel like I feel like it's it's different for Blanche. I think Clayton saying I'm gay and now Clayton actually and then like I said it it goes from a concept to practice for mm-hmm. Blanche. And I think that and she doesn't see Clayton every day. So now she's seeing him again and she's like she's accepted this thing in her mind, but she doesn't quite know what that looks like yet with her brother. Yeah. So I think this is like another level to it. It's it's like a deeper level and I think that Blanche just wasn't emotionally prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do like, I'd love to play the scene where um, she is sort of expressing those initial feelings about Clayton and Doug to the other women. I think I did a great job covering up how upset I am. Uh, you mean like how you started sobbing when Clayton asked for more fruit cocktail? <laughs> really mind Clayton being homosexual. I just don't like him dating men. You really haven't grasped the concept of this gay thing yet, have you? There must be homosexuals who date women. Yeah, they're called lesbians. The audience was eating up Sophia and Dorothy in this episode. Eating them up. Yeah, they were really, really funny. But I, I do think... Blanche's head and heart are at odds right now, right? Because 
you know, she's, oh, when it comes to sleeping arrangements, like she loses her mind. Yeah. She's trying to imagine what that's going to be like. But we do sort of see throughout the episode, you know, Blanche will say something like, of course, I'm just overreacting. Everything's fine. This is silly. And then Sophia's like, look, they're outside skipping. And Blanche is like, oh, so I do think that she really is having this sort of head versus heart struggle um, right now. And and we are seeing she's being very reactionary. Also, um, I love that they used Dorothy and Sophia as sort of like an, to antagonize Blanche in a little bit, like playing these little jokes. Oh, look, they're skipping all those little things just to highlight how sort of backwards and conservative she was actually being in those moments. It sort of points out the absurdity of her concern, which I love yeah. that they're the ones pointing out that absurdity, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think especially because, like, in the 72 Hours episode, it was Sophia who was behaving a little bit more conservative yes. and ignorant about the situation. So it is nice that she's sort of feels redeemed a little bit in this episode, especially when she has that little speech with Blanche later. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Blanche, the moment that Blanche kind of really loses it is when um, Rose... Uh, has invited Clayton and Doug to attend the banquet where she's, you know, expecting to win her award. Um, And it's now Blanche is realizing, oh, Clayton and Doug are going to be out with me in public. And she has a real like Dr. Jonathan Newman crisis of conscience here. Um, So yeah, let's play. Let's play that clip. Good news. Clayton and Doug said they'd love to go to the banquet with us. What? Oh, are you out of what is left of your mind? Why did you invite them? Well, I want everybody there for my moment of triumph. And it'll be a lot of fun. Fun? Don't you understand? They will be there together. But Blanche, they're here together. Dorothy, that's different. We're talking about going out in public. What are people going to say? Probably nothing we haven't heard before. Oh, Clay, I was just telling the girls. We heard what you were telling them, Blanche, and I am truly sorry you feel that way. Will you tell me why you want to put yourself and Doug through this? You know how people can be. And if my own sister can't accept our relationship, what chance would I have with anyone else, right? Right. No. (laughs) No, what I I mean... We get what you mean. Blanche, we don't have to worry about what the world thinks about our relationship. It just doesn't matter because we're there for each other. I'd do anything for Doug. And he'd bend over backwards for me. Sometimes I just love to hug my mommy. Audience I love that ate moment. Ate it up. Ate it up. Oh my gosh. It's, I just love to hug my mommy. I mean, it's just, Ugh. this is the era that I've always said this the last, I don't know, kind of season seven and eight is when B. Arthur was like, I'm done really acting. Well, and, season eight was the Golden Palace, honey. Oh no, season season seven six and eight. Six and seven. No, seven and eight. Or no, season yeah, six and seven. Sorry, was it really that? Why do I always forget that? I always feel like. Well, it was you're eight on seasons. muscle relaxer. You I can am say too. Anything you I am, tonight. guys. I am loopy. <laughs> but the last two seasons, B. Arthur was literally like after chronic fatigue syndrome. She was like, "Okay, I'm done. So just give me whatever. Let's be let silly. Let me let loose." <laughs> and she was walking around barefoot, being loose. She was, she was, she was not goosey, Lucy, Lucy, Goosey. Yeah. She was turkey. Like she should have been Lucy, Goosey, Goosey, Lucy. Who's Who's on on muscle muscle relaxers relaxers now? (laughs) Okay. So 
if that's not enough to Blanche, you know, Clayton and Doug going out in public with her, Clayton then tells Blanche that they're getting married. And Blanche is, I mean, she gets, she's very angry. She accuses him of playing a stunt. She can't Mm -hmm. believe it. She refuses to have any part of it. Uh, She's like Joan Cusack in Adam's Family Values. When the thing blows up and the hair goes straight up, that's basically Blanche right now. That's That's a second Joan Cusack reference in this episode. Mm -hmm. Love Joan Cusack. (laughs) Wait, what was it? But I didn't want Malibu Barbie. Barbie. (laughs) Joan Cusack, what a legend. Legend. So at the banquet, um, I know we don't talk about the B stories in these episodes at all, but I I do love Rose's line when she gets up to accept the award on behalf of her, you know, deceased friend when she says she doesn't need that on her mantle. She's on her mantle. It's so good. I love competitive Rose. She becomes bitchy and mean and it's just ruthless. It's perfect. It's perfect. So Blanche is sitting at a table with Doris, Dorothy, Sophia, Clayton, and Doug. And a woman comes over to say hi. And Clayton's like, oh, hi, I'm Clayton. And this is Doug. My And Blanche goes, fire! So, yeah, Blanche is having a hard time. I do love that like, Sophia leans over and goes, smooth. Like, yeah. I mean, just because it's so not smooth at all all yeah blanche's level of awkwardness is on par with like dorothy on a blind date it is just uncomfortable to watch on every level but yet also thoroughly enjoyable she's very like i said she's very reactionary in this episode she's like very tense she's always on edge just kind of like waiting to you know just sort of have to react to something um, that she doesn't understand and in a weird um, way, it's also kind of like we experienced in Scared Straight, sort of, when Clayton talks about the times that he had to cover up his lie or cover up. Now Blanche is kind of feeling that pressure a little bit. It's a little bit of role reversal here where she's trying to keep up, up appearances mm-hmm. and someone is not working with her in trying to do that. And it's it's right. it's really interesting to watch. Mm, you're right a total yeah. role reversal yeah. you've got you got some good thinking thoughts when you zone I the mean, painkillers. i've been trying <laughs> so clayton is incredibly upset with blanche and he says you know okay so when you said you accepted me being gay it was as long as i uh was you know celibate or yeah. like i didn't fall in love um he says doug and i are getting married he's my family now and if you don't like it then you don't have to be part of my family which <sighs> that is I feel like that was what had to be said to Blanche. I think tough love. It's tough love. She needed tough love. And I think Clayton, Clayton has been so gracious and, you know, patient with Blanche. And at the end of the day, he's like, this is me. This is my family. If you want to be part of my family, then like get on board. Yeah. You know, definitely. So he was really, really looking out for his relationship with Doug. Mm hmm. Oh, Doug. Oh, Had Doug. Andy McDowell in there. What did you think of Doug? I liked Doug. Uh, Doug's boring to me. He could do better than Doug. I I liked that he didn't steal any scenes. I like, I, I'd be I, very no. curious to know yes. what actors went in to read for it because this really was this really was a story between Clayton and Blanche and I thought I thought he was totally fine, and I think that's what the character's purpose was because well, it really was a story if, between Clayton and Blanche. And if the person came to visit, you know, his his partner's family, you don't want to 
you don't want to be too much. You don't want to be, you know, over the top and steal attention, which is why, like, when I go to Michael's family for the holidays and stuff, I gladly give up because they talk so much. And they're so, the sisters come around, everyone comes around, it becomes a very big thing. And I gladly sink into the couch and become that Homer gif of him falling into the bushes. That's me. And it is because I'm usually the one talking, as we all know. You're listening to a podcast of me in my voice. So, like, I'm usually the one talking. So I gladly just stay silent. Every time you talk about Michael and his sisters, I just always picture Joey on Friends, like when he goes home and he's got yes. like his 12 sisters yes. and they're That's all talking exactly around the table. what it is. It is. It is one of those situations where it is completely foreign to me because I come from a very quiet house where I was the one making all of the noise, me and my mom. And... It's a very different situation that I'm used to. But in a weird way, I kind of like that that's my reality. It forces me to be a little more like, I'm okay. I don't need to be the center of attention here. I can be quiet. I'm good. I'm good. I like that. <laughs> I get plenty of to, attention elsewhere. Yeah, it allows you to yeah. tap into the quiet side of yourself. Didn't know I had it. Didn't know I had it. <laughs> but you had it. It's in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, so like I was saying earlier, in you know, in Scared Straight, Blanche didn't get any advice from any of the characters, you know, between getting upset with Clayton and then later coming and apologizing to him and, yeah. and sort of being more accepting. Um, because I feel like in Scared Straight, those were just words. Mm -hmm. Like she was being accepting, but not fully accepting. Yeah. Um, and I think in this episode, she gets some wise advice from Sophia, which I think she really needed in that moment. And yeah. I think we should play that. And this moment. clip is just classic. I mean, it's an it's essential classic. clip for any pride and golden girls moment. Oh, look, I can accept the fact that he's gay, but why does he have to slip a ring on this guy's finger so the whole world will know? Why did you marry George? We loved each other. We wanted to make a lifetime commitment, wanted everybody to know. That's what Doug and Clayton want, too. Everyone wants someone to grow old with, and shouldn't everyone have that chance? Uh, Sophia, I think I see what you're getting at. I don't think you do. Blanche, will you marry me? <laughs> I love it. I won't wait for you. <laughs> yeah, it was. it is a really, really sweet moment. And definitely, yeah, like one of the most iconic speeches, I think, on this show. For sure. Uh, so Blanche goes back to Doug and Clayton, and she says to Doug, you know, do you love him? And uh, and he's like, um, hey, Blanche, like Clayton's like, are you sure that you're okay with this? Because like Doug loves me for who I am and not who he wants me to be. Um, and Blanche, you know, having finally come around says that she still doesn't understand it, but she's going to respect his decision, uh, because she wants him to be happy. And it kind of reminded me of the speech. I know we talked about Rose and Jean a little earlier where Rose was like, I may not understand it, you know, but you know, if I did like women, I'd probably like somebody like you, Jean. Which is so um, important because like, you know. I think we live in a, a world right now where everything has to be so like black and white, cut or dry. You're on board or you're not. And if you're not, you're canceled kind of thing. And I think we need the middle ground sometimes. We need to give people some space to grow and to learn and to make mistakes and to do the thing, do the hard work in evolving, which is what Blanche is having to do with her brother. She's having to evolve into a different relationship. And 
It's not an assault or an attack on who she is as a person or anything about her or her. Ch- and it also doesn't take away from the love and relationship that she's had with her brother. It's just evolving in a different kind of way than she expected. And she has to evolve with it. And Michael has to, not Michael. At the beginning of this, we I kept saying Michael and Clayton, Michael. I kept using Michael because I'm wanting Michael to be gay. He's not. Dorothy's son thinking. is not gay. Clayton is having to give Blanche the space in order to also evolve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's right. And, it, and it's what she's doing. She's evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, and the episode ends in like a three-way hug. Yay. And it's really nice. Um, so nice. I really did enjoy this arc watching these two episodes. I highly recommend if you haven't yet, listeners, watch these two episodes back to back. It is It is a really fun arc. And I'm glad that um, Clayton just wasn't a one hit wonder. I'm I'm really glad that they kind of dug a little bit deeper into, okay, Blanche has said that she accepts her brother being gay, but then what, it, what about when it's in her face, when she actually mm-hmm. is faced with her brother being in a committed relationship and wanting to get married? Yeah. You know, what, what's that going to look like? I really like that they, um, you know, they sort of dug in a little bit deeper. Well, and also give it to Monty Markham for for being a, a rare double guest star on this show. It doesn't happen if you're not Stan or Miles. That doesn't happen all that or or Uncle Angelo. It doesn't happen all that often. So the fact that Monty, who I met at at Golden Con that first year, was able to come back. Also, Michael Eyre, his his boyfriend or his partner on the episode playing Doug. He was also very good. So good on them. Good on them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, should we come back with a I golden takeaway? Yeah, oh I think we should do some golden takeaways. Oh, I'm so excited! We are back with our golden takeaways, which is a nugget of truth or inspiration that you can apply to your life or the lives of our listeners. Carrie, what's your golden takeaway from this episode? So Clayton and Doug, they weren't going to do a big fancy wedding, as they told Blanche. They were going to do something small in front of their closest friends. And I am here to tell you, listeners, if you are going to be getting married and you're on the fence going, do I want a big wedding, maybe a destination wedding? Do I want to do something small? I feel like I'd rather do something small, but I know my family wants me to do something big. Mm-hmm. Do the thing you want to do. Yeah. Do the thing you want to do. And I'm going to tell you, as somebody who got married at a courthouse with like six of my closest friends and we just had a dinner afterwards and we probably spent less than $1,000, it was fucking awesome. Yeah. And there was no pressure and we forgot the bouquet of flowers at home, oh. but it didn't matter because oh. we'd only spent a thousand dollars and it was just a couple of friends and we were at a courthouse and there was like a graduation going on. Oh. Like it was awesome. We were at a beautiful courthouse. We were in Santa Barbara. Um, but I just like, again, I know some people like to have really, really big weddings, but if you're feeling like you're pressured to do one because it's like a family thing, I thought my family was going to be upset, but no, they were on FaceTime. We yeah. flew out a week later to go visit them. And this them. was Everybody before was COVID. It was great. Yeah. yeah. So you do you. And um, yeah, that's I what that. I have to say about that. I love that because I hate weddings. So I love that you allow people to 
You don't have that option of being participating in the ways that you want to participate. Um, my golden takeaway from this episode is the giveaway. We're not giving away right now, obviously, because you have to go to the Instagram for this episode and leave a comment. It doesn't have to be about the giveaway. It can be about what your thoughts are on Doug or Clayton, or if you really want Michael to be with my, with Clayton. Oh my God, that relationship would be fantastic if they were a couple. I would love that. So go leave that comment, but we're going to have... Here's a little bit of my chat with Greg McCoon, who writes these books, who you are about to possibly have delivered in your inbox. Greg McCoon, hello. How do you feel about being a Golden Takeaway? You must feel honored. I am honored. That's my favorite thing. My Burning Man name is Golden, so this is just Oh, well, there you go. Wow. Well, you are definitely Golden this week because you are a part of the what we're giving. We're giving away your books in honor of... Pride Month, and during this episode, we watched an episode of The Golden Girls with where Blanche's brother, Clayton, as you might know, is probably a homosexual. And I feel like in retirement, Clayton is probably, like, designing and writing children's books somewhere at, like, you know, somewhere in Alabama or wherever. I don't know. In Georgia, like, he's living his best life writing children's books. So I think this is a perfect opportunity to do a giveaway. And it's going to be your books! Fantastic. I'm thrilled about that. Wait, so tell me a little bit about your books. Okay. Um, I have a handful of them. And uh, the ones that we're doing right now are The Royal Heart, which was the second book I ever released. And it is a traditional fairy tale. Once upon a time, a king and queen had a child. And in the book, they discovered that that child was, as originally presumed to be a king, turns out to actually be the next heir to the throne which is queen as her true Mm. self so it is a story about love and acceptance and just gender identity and what that means to be a leader and it doesn't matter about your gender to be a leader it matters about who you are and what you're able to offer to the world Mm -hmm. and it's also it's it's for this episode i think it's great because like or for the episodes we watched with clayton i mean you know, he grew up trying to sort of be this person that everyone wanted him to be, and he couldn't be that person until he finally allowed, he freed himself, and he, you know, it was difficult, but he came out to Blanche, and he was able to sort of find his own identity, and I think the theme is very similar to what you're talking about here, that that maybe if Clayton would have had this book when he was a little baby, he would have been able to see that, well, maybe... I can be other things, you know what I mean? Like, maybe there is another option for me. I think a lot of kids need that. Absolutely. And that's kind of the point of the book. It wasn't so much, it's a Cinderella story. It is another kind of Cinderella story of transformation. And, but in this respect, it is about like kind of transformation into your true self, acknowledging that part of yourself. It's revealing that to the world, growing the confidence to own that part of yourself and your willingness to share it with everybody. And the bigger takeaway with the book wasn't so much on the experience of gender as it is about the response to it. And uh, we love you. Thank you for sharing this part of yourself. And you are still a leader. You are still important. You still matter. And that's the takeaway I wanted from the book because I know at the time that I wrote it back in 2014, released in 15, um, it was right kind of at the beginning of, it was right before Um, or it was released right before the Caitlyn Jenner kind of public Mm -hmm. uh, transition uh, reveal. And I know I just got bombarded with a lot of questions about all that. And I'm I'm like the last person you should be asking about like gender experience, but I accept those who share that with me. And this book is 
that safe offer of if you're sharing it with somebody, they should feel comfortable sharing a part of themselves, whether it's about their LGBT side or just something about themselves, about their likes and interests. Everybody mm-hmm. should feel comfortable with that freedom to yeah. share. And I mean, that's also very much a, a, you know, a Golden Girls sentiment that like, come as you are, like this is, they, they were not a nuclear family, you know, only Dorothy and Sophia oh. were related. So it's like people come together in lots of different ways and how you get there and who you are and what your backstory is or what you represent or what people say about you. None of that even matters, really. It's all about just sort of being you. Yep. Which is the and most important thing for community. kids to hear. Yeah, exactly. And, and finding that community that accepts it and you feel comfortable doing it, especially the fact that I wrote this and released it, what, almost eight years ago? Oof, almost mm. eight years ago. And now today we're still dealing with all these political like politics and just nonsense about that's denying humanity to people for being themselves and wanting to live their life and it's shocking to me that you would think we've come far but we've actually not at all so this book even though it was released in 2015 matters today more than ever so that people and parents can get it and schools and teachers any guardian or anybody who's working around kids should feel comfortable sharing this story of acceptance and allowing the kids to feel comfortable hearing it Mm -hmm. and, and being open. And I have to ask because there is a very famous episode of the golden girls where Blanche attempts to write the great American novel and she um, fails miserably because it's just not good. Uh, But she does see the little ball of sunshine in the eggs. That's a quote from the, whatever. Uh, But how hard was it to sort of, make a children's book series that feels like it's i mean that feels difficult you know it's tricky well when i sat down to write um my my first book and then i sat down to write a fairy tale and originally i wanted to write a children's fairy tale with um a gay prince uh which at the time back in 2014 there was really only one currently available and i sat down to write that And I was so in my head and it became so convoluted. And I was like, what am I trying to write anymore? I don't know. And you realize with children's books, every word matters because you have a limited number that you can do. And I actually went back to just kind of doing a writing exercise of once upon a time, there was a king and queen. Mm -hmm. I, I just stripped everything away. And this, the Royal heart came out of me and it happened to be with gender. Um, as that transformation of like a visual transformation, uh, which really naturally organically kind of flew like just flew out of my mind yeah uh so i kind of stopped with this notion of i'm gonna write the best gay fairy tale to i just want to tell a story Mm -hmm. and the minute i got out of my head and i stripped it down to the simplest parts and the message i wanted to convey something beautiful at least i hope i think so came out of it uh so it is really tricky uh but i think when you allow yourself the freedom and you stop trying to create with a final purpose in mind mm-hmm. and and you and you lean in with some of the emotions and the feeling behind it a story can evolve at least for me yeah definitely well i'm so excited that people are going to get the opportunity to receive your books and read them and read them to kids especially if they have kids which i think is the most important thing i mean god i wish i i didn't really read a lot of children's books when i was a kid but like i would have if they were cool cuz i didn't think any of them were cool you know what i mean that is, I mean, I, there are some cool books, but I know uh, the Royal Heart, but we also have the Tangalos that I'm also giving away, including it. And there's three of those. And they are kind of a mental health awareness for kids done in a fun rhyme. 
but they are heavy. And and some people have said, well, aren't they too much for kids? And maybe they are, but maybe they're not. Like if you're exposing kids to tougher things done mm-hmm. in a playful, engaging way, it opens communication, it opens discussions. Yeah. And that's the point of those books as well. So I like to tackle bigger topics of mental health or struggling with identity or just struggling with depression Mm -hmm. because now more and more children are and I work with children all the time and it's shocking to see the things that you experience and they need the tools to be able to talk about it and the Tangelo books are just one more maybe additional tool that might help open these discussions and allow them to express themselves understand themselves and you don't necessarily need to be LGBT to yeah uh, want these books they're they're important for they're allies everybody. and just the community as a whole to know that we all live together and we're all part of humanity and yeah. that we should honor and respect definitely well i'm really excited about it so where can people follow you on the interwebs on the interwebs you can find me um i primarily just use instagram which is at the magoonies so my last name magoon with i-e-s and um also, my Twitter handler and my um, handler, Twitter handle and my TikTok, which I never really use, is also at the McGoonies. So it is just McGoonies all the way. Well, everyone, go comment on the post for this episode, and you'll be entered into the drawing to win some of the books, which is really exciting. And now I'm going to magically morph back into my conversation with Carrie. You want? You, it's it's. You feel the morphing happening? I do. I mean, yeah, yeah there's morphing happening right now. Wow. So much fun. Go leave that comment on the Instagrabbles for the for this episode, the post that we made for this episode. It features Clayton. You'll see pictures of the books and stuff. So yeah, go do that and you could possibly win one of Greg's books. How fantastic is that, Carrie? That is so fantastic. Thank you, Greg. And thank you all so much for listening. We will catch you back here next week. For more Golden Girls greatness. And as you know, we are part of Mom. So go support Mom Plus because it's a fantastic network. And you can also find us on the socials at Golden Girls Pod on Twitter, out on the Lanai official on Instagram, Golden Girls Pod on Facebook. And I am Sadie Pine slash H. Allen Scott on everything. And, you know, the way you just said plug Mom. Um <laughs> Do you know <laughs> you're sipping your water? That was a very funny noise. Um, real quick, little Oreo now. She used to do this really cute thing where she would call me and she'd go, Mama, 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 Mama. My like poker that. face. But now she goes, Mom, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, that was a little tidbit for those of you who listen to this part of the podcast. And for those who think <laughs> that when we start plugging things, we're done talking about personal shit. No, nope, well, we're not. They missed out. We on will go on anecdote. a tangent wherever we need to go whenever we need the tangent. This is why you need to listen to the end of the episode because you never true. know what you're you never know get. what I'm going to say. Box of chocolates. What am I? I am Squidzy on Instagram and Squid Eat Squid on Twitter. What were you going to say? I don't know. They're going to have to wait until after we say "Stay Golden" to hear. Great. <laughs> Please rate and review us wherever you get this podcast because the more ratings we get, the more the show will get bumped up, and the more people will discover it and join our lovely kick-ass community of Golden Girls fans. And as always, remember. Stay Stay golden! golden. Why doesn't Joan Cusack have an Oscar? Why? Jesus Christ. Two-time nominee. Two-time nominee. For comedies, nonetheless. An Oscar. See, you didn't you didn't expect that one to be coming from. I didn't. Let's write that movie for her then. Oh, I'll work on it. I'll email her. Mm